0: Alright, so I don't know if you're like me where the idea of getting ready for the holidays has those mixed emotions of the joy of the upcoming time with family and uh, I, I would definitely say the weather this morning is helpful. I almost missed like Halloween this year because it never felt like it was fall to me um, until finally there that last week it began to get a little cooler. One thing that we've been talking about is how as a church next year we can use Halloween as a tool to uh, reach out to our community and share the love of Jesus with people. So we've had the idea of doing kind of a pre-trick or treat uh, coffee and hot dog in the parking lot. Uh, It's so hard because I know our first year of doing a Florida Halloween our kids bought like full body costumes and we're all zipped up you know in different like Pokemon things I think and then all of a sudden we're out there trick-or-treating and it's like 82 degrees outside and the kids are stripping down as much as they can in the middle of trick-or-treating so this year we've learned and we're much more smart with our different costumes. I do like to plan, I'm excited for the series that we're going to be doing for Christmas. Uh, It's going to be called The Gift, and each week before Christmas, we're going to look at the three gifts the wise men brought to Jesus, one per week, and understand what that means for us. In fact, we've already planned out the first series that we're going to be doing in the new year, as we look at Ecclesiastes, and we ask the question of, what's the point, what's the meaning of life, and we let the scriptures pull us in about that together. But as we go into this month, we know that Thanksgiving is the holiday that's going to be coming towards the end of this month. And so I actually had in the bulletin, sorry, the newsletter that came out on Friday, a Thanksgiving checklist. And so it's a way to kind of look at how to begin to prepare in advance and not have to do everything in the final week that we tend to do so often. And we're kind of using this idea of are you ready for the holidays as a theme for our conversation. And ultimately what we're doing is we're trying to look at our lives and to understand uh, the parallel that we have between the house of the Lord of the Old Testament and how they would get the temple ready for the presence of God and what that means for us today. How we get the house of the Lord ready from our physical buildings to our spiritual buildings as we are temples of the Holy Spirit in our lives as the Holy Spirit lives in us. So that's kind of a play on words that we're doing. Uh, I want to ask, who has Thanksgiving decorations up around our house? And we have... Thanksgiving decor, fall decorations out. Who has Christmas decorations out around their house? Anybody have Christmas decorations yet? All right, you guys love Christmas, I take it. So we've got a family who's already getting out the Christmas decorations. Our family policy that I institute is we don't listen to Christmas songs until after we eat Thanksgiving meal on Thanksgiving Day. But, hey, no, we're not judging them. It's okay. You guys can have your stuff. I know the reality is in Central Florida, it's like as soon as you hit uh, post-Halloween, you know, you see a lot of Christmas, especially in Orlando. They begin to bring the Christmas stuff out quite early. So as we ask this question of, are you ready for the holidays, just follow me me as we go through this journey. Um, Let's just pray and ask God's word uh, to be alive through the Holy Spirit. God, we are so thankful today that we know that this word that you have for us today... It's a word that you have given us, that, that we get the opportunity to look at the truth of the word of God as a post-Calvary um, opportunity, Lord. That we can see what Christ has accomplished on the cross, just like that song declared. That we got a chance to begin this conversation by declaring that song that's so beautifully detailed, what you have done for us on Calvary. But we also have the opportunity, Lord, to look at the Old Testament and understand um, the uniqueness of what you did from tabernacle to temple and how those same truths can apply to our lives today, but in a much better way. So, Lord, I pray that the words that I say are not as important as what people hear, and that your Holy Spirit can translate um, beyond the words that are said to the meaning that you want to impress on people's hearts. And that, God, that we do justice to the word of God that will be lifted up this morning. pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so first we need to begin with that foundation. If you're taking notes, whether in person on the piece of paper from the bulletin or you're using the app, click on this week and then go down to the message and then within the message you'll see all the scripture that's going to be shared in the message and maybe even some that I skip that's relevant to the conversation. So a great way to follow along, even fill in the blank um, through the notes that we have in the app. First of all, we need to kind of lay this foundation of the original temple that original temple that was back in the day we've got some pictures that you can see here and you can kind of see that the temple was this uh, amazing structure that was built this other picture kind of shows you inside um, the temple itself inside all the way to the holies of holies you can see just the elaborate use of gold and just the expense that was put in place The original temple, if you want to write this down, was built in 957 BC. Uh, It was finished by King Solomon, but his father David actually did the capital campaign to raise the funds. And I just love the sacrifice that it would take to build such an elaborate structure that it would be multi-generational to see the completion of it. You know, we always wonder if with today's culture, if we'd have the ability to raise funds for a project knowing that we're not going to get a chance to see it or be in it, but it's going to be built for the next generation and many generations yet to come. The one thing that I think is significant is that this building of Solomon's temple in Jerusalem is by far, without question, the most important Physical building ever built in human history. I don't say that lightly. The most important physical structure ever built by human hands in all of human history is this temple. And not primarily by design or by exterior. You wouldn't look at it and say, wow, that's amazing. Now, the inside, that that really is quite elaborate and amazing. But on the exterior, you wouldn't really look at this building and say, oh, it's what a marvel. It did have really large stones. It, it was larger than any other building they erected during that time. It was amazing to a certain extent. But truly, the reason why I make this declaration is we have modern buildings today that are beautiful, is the purpose of the temple that was built by Solomon was the most important place that had ever been designed, ever will be designed by human hands in order to understand why this building was this uh, revolutionary moment for God and his people, we have to understand that the Jewish people were worshiping the same God that we worship. This was not a different religion, but this was the beginning of our faith, that we are the continuation of, that they were building a temple that could be a place that could be the house of the Lord. Now, what was different was their relationship, the rules the way that they were in relationship with this God was very, very different. Um, I I mentioned this in a prayer, but this is the reality is, um, sometimes you you just got to pinch yourself or pinch the person next to you and just remind them that we get to live in the post-Calvary life. You know, we get to live in a time that the temple has been torn, that we no longer have to be separated from the presence of God and the holies of holies. But what only one person could go into, we now have all the ability to be in the presence of God today. And it's so easy for us to take for granted this beauty that we get to live in today, so I kind of want to paint that picture, that we just have to thank God every single day, that we get to live in a time that the blood of Jesus Christ has been shed for us, and the Holy Spirit can be alive in us. One thing is, uh, you know, as I look around, many of you uh, look like uh, you've taken some time and preparation for coming to church today. Uh, I know in our house, it's like Saturday night's the one, like, you have to take a shower tonight. There's no negotiation. You're taking a shower. Before we get to bed, we have church tomorrow, you know. And, uh, and, and then you, we try to come, and we want to look nice. We probably want to smell decent um, and come into the presence of God when we're here. But it's nothing like the cleansing that was necessary for people to come into the presence of God. In fact, one of the beauties of the ministry I've gotten a chance to be a part of was a place that we would go to the first Sunday of each month in Columbus at a downtown church that multiple churches would come together and serve and I got to bring my youth, and actually I would partner with a lot of different Young Life Clubs, and they would bring their youth to join ours, and we would go, and we would make breakfast, and we would serve uh, well over 150 homeless people the first Sunday of every month, and yes, when the weather got colder, I guarantee you this morning at this church in Columbus, Ohio, there was more people than they've seen for a long time, because they wanted to get out of the cold and come into a place, and We would pray with them and read the Bible with them and worship with them, and they were all far from being clean. But it was some of the most sacred moments that I got a chance to do ministry. So as much as we like and enjoy to give God our best on Sundays, and I appreciate that completely, I'm so thankful that we live in a time that those that don't smell good, those that don't wear new clothes or nice clothes are able to come and be in the presence of God. Not only will God accept you, but he will listen to you. He will hear your prayers. Something that we take for granted is how easy it is for us to pray. And many times when I pray with people, especially over the phone, I try to invoke the entire Trinity into that moment. And we will open up many times in my prayers of saying, God, I'm so thankful that we can come to you and pray in this moment. And maybe I'm here in Florida and this person is in Orlando or this person is in California or I Once a month when I talk with Hans down in Nicaragua. And I get a chance to say, God, I'm so thankful that as we pray together, your Holy Spirit resides in both these places and is in fellowship with us. And God, the only reason why that we can pray to you, God the Father, because we are still people that sin and people who continue to make mistakes, is because of the blood of Jesus Christ that is over top of us. Passing over our sins and Jesus Christ sits on the right hand of the Father. It says in scripture, interceding on our behalf. And sometimes we get a chance to enjoy just saying a quick prayer in the midst of a hard day at work or a hard relationship or whatever it is. We don't have to say all those sacred words. But sometimes I love the fact that we get a chance to rest in that. And recognize the moment that we get to take for granted in our lives today. That we should be constantly cheering about this throughout our lives and seeing what a beautiful place we get to be today. Even though you might go through hard times, every single day of our life can be one day closer, just like Stephen prayed, of being with God the Father in heaven. And seeing the fullness of the kingdom of God come to fruition here on earth as it will be in heaven. And nothing can take that away from you. Nothing can take that away Not even the mistakes that we continue to make can take that away. But you need to understand that the people in the Old Testament, they lived in a very different time. They lived in the Old Covenant. They didn't have a system like that. That That sin was still an unsolved problem. Think about this. The sin that the people in the Old Testament committed was the same sin that we commit today that we are not good enough to stand next to a holy God and to come to him in prayer, nevertheless be in his presence. But even though the sin that we deal with today is very much the same, the problem of sin has been solved. The way to take care of our sin has been solved. That's what the song declared, is that on Calvary, Jesus Christ solved the problem of sin once and for all. He solved that problem. You see, it was impossible for them to penetrate through their sin. Sin was this black cloud that was constantly over their lives, knowing they were never good enough to be in the presence of God. And I just love sharing the illustration that even that one person that was considered to be their best of the best, their high priest, when he would go in to make sacrifices inside the presence of God and the holies of holies, they would put a bell on him and a rope. Because if he wasn't sacred enough, clean enough, ...and he was struck down and killed, they wouldn't want to leave that body in the Holies of Holies... ...so they had to find a way to bring him back out. I mean, that's how serious this thing called sin is. And we get a chance to almost take it for granted in in the situation that we live in today. Of course, God broke through in the Old Testament. And we could see the Holy Spirit. We could see the presence of Jesus perhaps standing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... ...as they would stand in the fiery furnace... But yet a fourth person was present there. Perhaps it was Christ, perhaps it was an angel. But that fourth body was there and the Holy Spirit would break through and they would walk out and not even smell like smoke. You know, we think about Moses in the burning bush. God would break through in these amazing ways. And Moses was told to take your sandals off because the place where you stand is holy ground. And he would come to the presence of God. I think about the time when the fire came down at Mount Carmel and the presence of God would come down in spectacular ways. The pillar of smoke that would go before them. The Ten Commandments that were given at Mount Sinai. And yes, the Holy Spirit is so incredible that he could even speak through the mouth of a donkey. You see, God would break through in the Old Testament in these amazing ways. And it would seem like much of those times had been recorded in our sacred scripture of the Old Testament for us to read and to understand and share those stories. But the problem was, you never knew when God was going to show up. You never knew where God was going to show up. And the reality is, a very small amount of people had the opportunity to experience the presence of God in that way. The majority of people had to come to terms with the fact that they would have to believe in a God, put their faith in a God, and a God that perhaps they would never encounter his presence. They would never have the opportunity to even go to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. They would just have to believe in him. Someday they would die in hope that they had lived in a way that would bring them into the presence of God. Until one day, when God spoke to King David, he said, I want to build a house. And David began that capital campaign of raising funds for that purpose. And at one point, he hands the project over to his son Solomon. But without really knowing the detail of why this building was erected in the first place. It's such an interesting point that I won't. I would love to spend a lot of time in that way we won't. Is that God asked David to build build him a house. That would be the house of the Lord. That would be a house of prayer. But he really never gave David more of a reason than that. And not until its completion do we actually see that Solomon begins to find out the true purpose of this building. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 15 says, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. This was God speaking. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. For the first time, God attached his physical presence to a physical place here on earth. For the first time, the people of God would know they could come to a place and find the presence of God. Not only hope that they would encounter the Lord, but know that they would encounter the Lord in that place. Not only hope that he would hear their prayers, but know that he would hear their prayers in that place. The temple, my friend, was more than just a physical, beautiful building. It was more, if you're taking notes, the temple was the first ever permanent connection point between heaven and earth. The first time that God would connect these two and bring them together, together for the first time in Jewish history. Now everybody had a place they could go and a place they could find the presence of God. Now you might say that this sounds really amazing, this is nice. But if you don't know, the temple is now gone. The temple today is not there. In fact, the truth is that there is a Muslim mosque right over the presence and the place, intentionally put where the Jewish temple once was. So what does this mean for us today? Well, you see, the temple building is gone, but what we're going to see is the temple principles still remain, just in a different way, in a different place. There is a New Testament temple. There is a new covenant that carries the same vision and the same purpose— but there's a new place to which God is attaching his presence and his uh, personality and his authority in his place. There's even another place in scripture that tells us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, for we are the temple of the living God. If you are a person who has allowed the blood of Jesus Christ to be put over your sins, you've accepted that truth and you've, given your life to Jesus Christ and put him on the throne over your life, then the Bible tells us that we receive the presence of the Holy Spirit and that we become a temple of God. You see, I love that. So I actually have a blank in your notes if you see that there for the new temple. And maybe put down your birthday or maybe if you know around the date that you became a born-again Christian, you gave your life to Christ. Put that date in there. Because that's when a new temple was built. And what's so beautiful is that new temples have been built and rebuilt and continually built across our country on every land and every continent. I would hope that we have a believer in Antarctica somewhere. But, you know, we've got temples everywhere now. It means that we are, listen to this, this is so influential. You are the new covenant point of connection between heaven and heaven. earth that you are that connection point and thank you for just praising the name of God for that that you are the place that when you go into your work that when we go into hospitals that we go into places that you are the temple you are the connection point between heaven and earth and that God does work in you and through you just like he did in the temple and we're going to break down exactly what that means Uh, I'm going to look in Hebrews 5, it's so hard, or Hebrews 8. Uh, When I was looking for scripture to share, it's just like, I just wanted to read all the book of Hebrews. But we're going to read a few verses here. So if you want to follow along with me, it's going to be on the screen, and I'm going to read with you as well. You know what, I might have a different translation, so I'll follow along with you. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. Now just to give you reference here. The tabernacle was the traveling um, temple that Moses erected by God's direction. And then King Solomon finished a physical structure that represented the tabernacle that walked with them in the wilderness to make that connection. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown on the mountain, which is where he received the Ten Commandments. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. Just hear that truth. The temple and the opportunity we have today is better than what they had. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another but God found fault with the people and God said this The days are coming declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah I will not be it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them. Hence why the temple would be destroyed at times, and they would go into exile, and they would be brought out of God's presence at time, declares the Lord. But this covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws not in a physical place. Listen to this. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, uh, know the Lord because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness, will remember their sins no more. He closes with this, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete now dated will soon disappear. Now you may say, Kevin, you've read that scripture often recently, and intentionally so. We're building a foundation to hear this teaching today. That what was the old covenant will once be obsolete and will soon disappear. And that was prophetic all the way to the point of the temple was going to be torn down. At one point when the Romans set the temple on fire, all that gold that you saw inside the tabernacle Jesus said, brick by brick, they will tear down your house. And when they set the temple on fire, that gold melted and went down in between the bricks or in between these giant stones. And the Romans said, hey, we burned down their temple, but now there's all this gold and it's all disappeared. And they started pulling the stones apart, stone by stone, brick by brick, so they could get the gold that had melted in between. And the prophecy here in the Old Testament, as well as the prophecy of Christ— All became fulfilled. So God had not just recreated this temple principle, but the author of Hebrews shows us he improved the temple principle. That what we live in today is in many ways a replacement, but it's also in many ways an improvement. And in fact, you see in the teachings of Scripture um, that Jesus really spoke that there's something better coming. The Holy Spirit's coming. It's going to be better, it's going to be different. So I'm going to share with you three improvements, major improvements right away that are easy to see. The first is this. Back then, there was one temple. The old temple was one location. There was one place that you could go. One place in the city of Jerusalem. No matter where you lived, it was the one place you could go to fully be in the presence of God. But today's temple, today's temple, I don't know. There's well over a billion locations. There's 2.5 billion people, they estimate, on earth who say that they are a part of the Christian faith. Um, So we know that there are many, many, many temples all over the earth that are letting the Holy Spirit break through. There's temples everywhere. Secondly, Back when the temple was fixed, to a certain place in a certain city, if you wanted to deal with God, um, it was fixed. The old temple was one place. And now, if you think about it, today's temple, it's mobile. It's movable. You can take it anywhere. And that's where we see that God is working in underground churches in Iran and in China and in northern Vietnam as a place that they still missionaries are not able to go to. And I've got friends that are praying against the, the forces of Satan that we can eventually get missionaries into places that still if you go there you'll be physically uh, harmed for being in those places. So now it's movable. The house of the Lord of the 21st century can go all over the world and reach every single person and bring the presence of God with them. Number three, back then the temple came in one design. And now I love the fact that this 21st century temple comes in every shape and every size. It's got every personality, it's got every skin color, it's got every hair color, every eye color. It's short, it's, it's, it's tall, it's all shapes and sizes. And the temple can work to reach other people because we're different, because we have different styles, because some sing different songs that reach other people, that we all come together as the church of the kingdom of God, but we look different. And I praise God for that. Uh, many times I try to share stories from, from my past, but I heard one um, from another preacher this week, and so I'm going to share his story. He's a pastor in Sweden, in Sweden, and he does amazing ministry work there, and, and his name is uh, Joachim Lundqvist, Lundqvist, just an amazing pastor, speaker, and church leader. He shares this story because if you don't know, um, in Scandinavia, they have found out that for decades now, they've been doing pretty intensive screening of unborn, yet-to-be-born babies. And they are able to test to see if they have different things. For instance, Down syndrome. And because of that, in that country, 98% of the babies that have Down syndrome are aborted before they are born. And they've had this really interesting time that in a modern society, they are doing what they call almost a genetic cleansing of pre-born babies. Well, their church has tried to find a way to uh, break through that. And so what they started doing was they've got about a dozen schools um, around the city. And in their city, two of those schools are specifically set aside for kids of special needs and a lot of kids with Down syndrome. These kids that their society have said are not worthy to even live. And so they've got these schools and one of the things they do is um, when the kids get older and they start to get in their teenage years, they, they teach them what they call is city training. How to get onto a bus, how to use public transportation, how to cross the street safely and things like that. So they bring him out in small groups of two or threes. And they have this one kid, his name is Jonathan. And Jonathan is a teenager. And so he's kind of going through and he's learning to start and stop and go through the different areas of the city. And then all of a sudden he's in this one place and they're waiting for the light to turn. And he begins to sing a song. She sings a song that his teacher has never heard him sing. It's an old hymn called A Tree in My Garden. This hymn is well over 100 years old. Moments later, a person comes up, and almost like she's angry, asks the teacher, with tears running down her face, pointing to Jonathan and asking, why is he singing this song? And the teacher responds, I have no idea. I've never heard him sing this song before. And this lady begins to share her story, that she's been suffering with long-term depression, and that that very morning she came to a point that she was considering that this would be her last day. And she prays a prayer that she's never prayed to a God she's never talked to before, but she's heard that this God exists. And says, God, if you're there, will you give me this song that I heard in my youth? The only song that she knew from church called, A Tree in My Garden. Desperate, all alone, she prayed this house. And then moments later, she's passing through the city in the main square. And this young man, who many people said was not worthy to even live, became a temple of the Holy Spirit in that moment. And that moment, the God of heaven came down to earth and spoke through Jonathan as he sang the song, the tree of garden, louder and louder as each verse went on. You see, that's the opportunity that we have. And I love that story. Because God worked through Jonathan, the one that they said was not worth living. And God can work through each and every one of us to bring that into the situations and lives that we go into. One thing we're sharing in the story is, as the pastor was interviewing this teacher about this amazing situation, she goes, we asked Jonathan the next day to sing that song. He goes, I have no idea. I've never heard of that song before. They said, you sang it yesterday. He goes, yeah, I did. I don't know that song. The Holy Spirit moved in incredible ways. You see, I love the Bible says if we could only have faith like a child. And God worked in that amazing faith. God is ready to move in each and every one of us. Every shape, every size, every color, every background, every industry, every talent, every purpose. That God is ready to connect us from the God of heaven into our lives. And we have the opportunity to be that breakthrough of God breaking through in our lives today. So today we can be the house of the Lord. What was true about the temple back then should be true for our lives as a living, breathing temple of the Holy Spirit today. I've got two points this week and two points next week. God now uses this comparison of the temple to help us understand what this truth means for us. The first is this, the temple was visible. The temple was visible. Uh, John, I can't wait to come see the, the Christmas lights that you put around your house this year. But I just got like a ridiculous picture I found online. This is actually, uh, I think, a central Florida house, and I just looked online. And, uh, you know, the person, it may have a neighbor that just goes crazy. There's a person over in Melbourne that we went to go visit, and he had just like the amazing Christmas lights, and we thought it was pretty cool. And then all of a sudden it turned Scarlet and Gray, and had the Ohio State song. We're like, no wonder he's so smart. And, um, and it was great. You know, when you think about getting your house ready for the holidays, one of the things that we like to do is we like to make our house visible. We like to put lights out. We like to show people that we're celebrating the holidays and God did the same thing for the temple. In fact, if the temple was rebuilt today, here's a computer image of what the temple would look like. If the temple was rebuilt in modern-day Jerusalem on that very site, you wouldn't go into to Jerusalem and say, now I think they rebuilt a temple. It's around here somewhere. I heard that there's a temple. You know, you wouldn't do that because as soon as you came on the outskirts of the city, you would see a building that was larger and grander than all the rest, and it would stand out. And you would know that that is the place that you can go to to find the presence of God. And I believe the same thing God wants to do through you, that he wants people to be able to say, this is where I know I can go and find the presence of God. If I go knock on this neighbor's house, And I ask them to pray for me. I know that I can find the presence of God. If I ask this neighbor for help, they will help me. They will love me unconditionally. That's the temple. That's the presence that we get to be today. That we want to be this presence. It says in Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. I loved singing that song as a kid. But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, that is who we want to be. Not to be the brightest house on the street for people to see and say, wow, aren't they amazing? But we get a chance to be this shining city on a hill so we can reflect the light of God into every situation that God brings us into. That people would be having the opportunity to see you and know you're a place they can go. People who are lost, people who are hurting, they know they can come and find the presence of God through, through us. You know, perhaps we don't need more churches. When I went to church plant, I heard that all the time. People say, well, aren't there enough churches already in Melbourne? Aren't there enough churches already on the Space Coast? Do we really need more churches? And I'm not going to get into that conversation because I think in some ways that might be true. There are enough churches. But what we need is more living, breathing temples. And that's why we exist. is not to be a church where we put our banner up and say, come into this place, for an hour or so on Sunday mornings and come into the presence of God. But we want to be a place that is producing temples, living, breathing people that go out. That's why we're a harbor, is so that we come in here on Sundays and we get a chance to be trained a little bit. We get a chance to maybe fix some holes because we are hurting too. But we get a chance to go back out and be sent out and be fishers of men all week long. But so many times it seems like our harbors of churches are sending out submarines more than they're sending out fishing boats. And even though we do have some submariners in our midst, and I'm thankful for them in our country and how they serve in incredible ways, I don't think God wants us to be submariners. We come in on Sunday mornings, we put the the periscope up, and we kind of check things out, and then put it back down and hide under the waters all week long. I believe that God is going to work through this message, and he wants to encourage you to come to the surface And to go out there, maybe you have friends or coworkers or people on your sports team that they don't know that you are a presence of the Holy Spirit and that they are a person that is looking for something different and you know what that difference is. You know what their soul is searching for because you found it. And maybe God's going to call you to the surface in this message. As I've prayed over this message, I believe that's one of the things that God wants to do is call Christian submarines to the surface. Become a fishing boat. Put lights all over it so people can see you and go out there and be fishers of men. Before I move into the next point, I want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying what Jesus warns us of in Matthew chapter 6. And that is that we, there's a tremendous temptation to do things to be seen by others. The warning is not to live our lives like a reality TV show where we portray this fake version of ourselves ourselves through the vehicles of whatever it is, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever we put online. Showing people only certain scenes of our lives that present an image of ourselves that we would like them to think we really are, while secretly feeling lonely because of the discrepancy between our real life and the projected life is becoming more and more distance. That distance make you feel like an imposter in your life. And though you are doing the best you can, you are showing this something better than you are image on the outside. Don't forget the temple was not the most beautiful place on the outside, but it was a place where people felt welcome and connected to go to. In fact, showing some of your hurt, showing some of your flaws, might be what makes people more attracted to understanding you than less. You see, when we have this fake appearance on the outside, People think they know who you are, but you're dying on the inside because no one knows who you really are. The warning is that our need to be seen by others can stop us from being known from God. So please don't hear this message and think that I'm talking about going out there and just putting on this persona that's unreal because the reality is, I know. I don't just believe. I know that people will be attracted more to the real you than the fake you. You see, we don't create light. We reflect The light of Christ, and that's all we're called to do. The second point is this the temple was a house of prayer. We've read this recently. Luke 19, verse 46. Jesus declared, My house is a house of prayer, while he was driving the temple leaders out who were taking advantage of those that were in the presence of the house of God. You see, reference to the prophets of Jeremiah and Isaiah clearly referring to the temple to be a house of prayer. Now, if the house of God at the temple back then was a house of prayer, that as we prepare for the holidays, we need a church that is a house of prayer. We need to live our lives as a house of prayer. Why? Because God's presence did not come upon the temple back then because of its exterior beauty. But we see in Scripture that when Solomon finished the first temple, that God's presence came during the time of prayer and worship. And that's why there's a unique presence when we come together as a church on Sunday mornings. As much as we've been trying to push people into groups, if you aren't in a group, look in the bulletin, get in a group. There's things we can do in circles, we can't do in rows, but there's something unique about coming and just being in the presence of this worship this morning, hearing the word of God proclaimed, watching as the Holy Spirit is taking this one message and pouring it across everybody in different ways. It says in 1 Kings 8, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord, in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands toward heavens and said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no one like you in heaven above or earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant, David, my father. With your mouth you have promised, and with your hand you have fulfilled it as it is today. Now listen to this. He questions in the moment of this temple being built, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built. You see, Solomon was pretty smart. And he realized even the temple they built according to God's plans, with the best of their ability, it was just a temporary holding. It wasn't the solution. It wasn't the end of the plan. Yet give attention, it says in Scripture, to your servant's prayer. Prayer. And his plea for mercy, Lord my God, hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. The glory came as they started to pray and worship. And the same may be with you. See, God is not impressed with our exterior looks, God does not respond to your perfection, He responds to your prayers. Let me say that again. God does not respond to your perfection. He responds to your prayers. Say amen for that. The reason why I say that is because I am so thankful for that. If my prayer life was dependent upon my perfection, I wouldn't have a healthy prayer life. But I'm so glad that my dependence on my prayer comes on Jesus Christ, who's on the right hand of the Father interceding on my behalf. But I will say this, and next week we are going to talk about the fact that the temple was a place of holiness. My prayers are impacted by my imperfection, and there are days that I feel further away from God than others, and we'll get into that next week. You see, as we talk about getting our house ready for the holidays, let's begin by praying honestly. You know, begin by praying in a group of people, begin by praying in a quiet place, pray in your closet, pray on the beach pray with God. You see, make a list that's real. Maybe write down for this holiday season what it is that you want to pray for, and thank you for those of you who pray for our missionaries. We should pray for our missionaries, but I don't think that should be the first thing on your list. It's so easy to pray for these external things, and it's hard to pray for the eternal things, to let God really work inside of us, to be able to pray, Jesus, help me right now, to say what it is you want me to say. Jesus, help me before I do something I can't undo. God, help me because I'm hurting. God, help me because I'm broken. The God of the Bible does not despise your weakness in prayer. We heard in Hebrews 8 that we have a high priest who is not unable to be touched by the feelings of our infirmity, that he is there with us. That means you can come into the presence of God. He can handle the full weight of what you're really dealing with. God, I'm tired. God, I'm sick of this. God, I'm angry. God, I'm broken. God, I'm tired of dealing with this situation. God, I need you. If you don't tell God, listen to this. If you don't tell God, it's going to come out somewhere else in your life, and it's going to come out to a person, to a place, to a situation that will not handle it with the grace of God and does not have the power of God to actually make a difference in your problems. That is why prayer is so powerful. And that is why prayer is so necessary each and every day. And when you go to pray, imagine Jesus looking at you in the eyes like he did to the man of the pool of Bethesda. He simply asked him, Do you want to get well? And tell Jesus exactly what you need. Tell Jesus about your health. Tell Jesus about your issues. Tell Jesus exactly what you need. Do you want to get well? Tell him what you need. But first, you have to understand that your relationship with God is that he is your heavenly father and that you are his child. If you don't understand that you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, that you are a temple, a living, breathing connection point between heaven and earth, which is not earned but given, which is not achieved but received, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God You know, Jesus declared it like well over a hundred times in the four gospels. This idea of God as king wasn't a new thing, but the revelation that God is a king who came as a baby and who can live with you was completely new. You see, we are preparing for the holiday season to celebrate how thankful we are that Jesus did not come to be an earthly king. He came on earth to be a king like no other. In human frailty to a young family in a cave. He would come down, not, I I always imagine like, you know, if I was God, I would be like Thor in the Bifrost. And I would just come down like in the middle of the temple and have like this giant red cape and lightning all around me and be like, I am here. That's what I would do if I'm God. Aren't you guys glad that I'm not? (laughs) But he chose to come as a baby. Probably wasn't a very silent night but he chose to come to a family that had their first night in a cave he didn't go to the seminary to find his followers he went to a harbor to find fishermen the kingdoms of this world identify you by what you do you meet someone what do you do for a living but before he worried about what they were going to do he called them to come and be with him to walk with him to learn from him You see, God is doing that with us today. In Mark 3, it says, Jesus went up to the mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach, to have the authority to drive out demons. You see, that's what he's calling us to do. He's calling to send us out to preach the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. He's calling us to go out there because sin cannot stop us. The forces of Satan cannot stop us. He said, go to Jerusalem, go to Judea. He's called us to Melbourne Beach, the Indian Atlantic, the Indian Harbor. He's called us to reach people on the Air Force Base, the Space Command. He's calling us perhaps north, perhaps south. I don't know what east would look like, but maybe more west. He's calling us to go out there and to be the living, breathing temples of the Holy Spirit, the worship team, if you want to come up. As his house of prayer And as the temple becomes visible, hope is communicated through the world. If I can ask you for one thing, if you're listening to this, whether in person or online, is that you would just ask God to during this holiday season to do something and make you a fresh, visible temple in every space that you go to, that we are going to devote our lives not on what is seen on the exterior, but on what God does on the inside because as a temple, as a house of prayer, some place that God can send his presence. So church, I wanna, I still don't know how I'm gonna end this message, but stand with me. Let's just come into the presence of God. If we can't be a house of prayer in here, how can we be a house of prayer out there? So I'm just asking the Holy Spirit just to figure out how this service is gonna close. And let's just spend some time in prayer together. Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence into this place. I believe that we do our best to make this a house of the Lord. A place where people feel welcomed. A place where people can come and just be themselves. God, I pray that we are a house. That as someone comes who wasn't able to take a shower the night before, come in the only clothes they have, that they would be loved and welcomed here. God, I know that you've brought a diverse group of people in. And because of that, as a church, we can reach way more people as we're sent out there than we can in here. But God, I know that there's some people right now that just need to feel your presence They need to feel your touch. Perhaps the only reason why they came here was not for the amazing worship that was a sermon in itself. It wasn't for the words that I said, but they came here because they needed prayed for. So God, I pray that we can be a church that prays. All right, God, I I feel like God's telling me to do something that I don't like to do. And that's, let's pray for each other. So I'm gonna ask you, raise your hand if you feel like you need to be prayed for today. If you came here today and say, I need God's prayer, just raise your hand up just a little higher for me. A little higher for me. I'm gonna ask you to do something really bold that we've never done here before, and that is keep your hand up. Let's open our eyes and look at those around you that have their hands up. Raise your hand towards them. And join me and let's pray for them. And I'm gonna give you guys some time to say prayers out loud to each other. Let's be a house of prayer. Let's do this right now. We've never done this as a church and I'm actually a little scared to do it. But let's do this. So look for those who had their hands up and just maybe move towards them if you would like. And let's pray together. I'm gonna to start it I'll give you some time to pray. God, just move in this moment. God, we are declaring and accepting the truth that you've given us in Scripture. God, I know every single person needs prayed for. I I know that there's not some here that only need prayed for, but there's some today who raised their hand and said, I don't want to leave this place without receiving prayer from those around us. So God, in these next few minutes, Lord, I just pray that you come and just speak. God, let's pray for each other. Church, I'm gonna turn my microphone off so that I can go pray. Let's just take a few moments and pray for those around you. Church, let's just continue this as we sing this last song. Continue to feel free to pray for those around you. Um, If you still would like to receive prayer, uh, just come up towards the front. And uh, myself and some others would love to come alongside and pray with you as uh, we just close in this final song.
1: We've seen what you can do. Oh, God of wonders, your power has no end. The things you've done before, in greater measure, you will do again. Yes, he will. There's no wall you can break through, no mountain you can move all things are possible there's no broken body you can raise no soul that you can save all things are possible the darkest night you can light it up you can light it up Hope arise, death can overcome. You've already won, God of, revival. God, of revival. God of revival. You rose in victory, and now you're seated forever on the throne. He is on the throne above so why should my heart be what you've defeated i will trust in you alone there's no prison wall you can't break through no mountain you can't The ground, oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Come awaken your people, come awaken your city, oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble, hear the chains hit the ground. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out, darkest night, you can light it up, you can light it up. The city, God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble, hear the chains hit the ground. Oh, God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Come awaken your people, come awake in the city. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out Every stronghold will crumble, hear the chains hit the ground Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it out Wall oh, you can break through, no mountain you can move All things are possible there's no broken body you can raise no soul that you can save all things are possible god of revival god we trust that And we know that your spirit who's given to us has done many wonders and many things, mighty and marvelous things over the centuries. Since that day when he first revealed himself on Pentecost, that day that he first empowered the church of God to become the house of God, when he came and dwelt within us. And we know that through all time that, God, you have desired to be among your people, whether it was in the garden or it was in the tabernacle, whether it was in the temple or whether it was in the flesh and blood of jesus christ then it was in the presence of the spirit in our hearts and one day it will be that you return with us again but until that time we are praying that you help guide the spirit that's with us to be a revival in this city to be a revival in this county and in this state and as we see the people that are in need as we see the struggles of this world That not one of them would have victory over anything in our lives, but the spirit that dwells in us would have victory over all things. That these bodies that are broken and are wasting away, that they would be made new and that they would be, that we would rise up with wings like eagles, that we would walk and not grow weary, that we would run and not faint in the mission that you've called us to. And we pray this. All in your name that is above every other name, the very name of Jesus. Amen.